Uh, Chris and April, thank you so much for that time of worship. Absolutely. Just beautiful. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, hope you had a great Christmas. Hope everything went well. Hope you had a good time with family. Um, hope uh, hope that however you celebrate the holidays, that you had a blessed time. Uh, I know we did a lot of time with family, uh, playing games, giving gifts. The kids loved it. That that just makes for a good holiday season. Those are all very good things. So we're, we're very grateful in the season as we move towards New Year's. Uh, it's just a season of celebration and, um, and of newness. I love that song, You Make All Things New, right? And, and here uh, we approach a new season, uh, a new season on a lot of levels, a new season for uh, our church. Um, so uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's, it's been a cool journey, and I'm going to back up kind of to the beginning um, to understand just a little bit of the flow of where we're at as a church. And unfortunately, uh, this last week that I know of that about half of our team is gone, so plan next week just to hear a repeat of some of this information because because we all want to be on the same page as we move forward. But this journey began about a year and a half ago. Um, um, God began to place on Sarah and my heart that um, that uh, that he had a new calling for for us and for the Tri-Cities. And, uh, and, and it was an intimidating process. But for 12 years, we had worked in a church as um, associate pastors, uh, Children, um, youth, and and family ministry, and and uh, and and we saw God do some really powerful and beautiful things over those years, and yet we begin to realize um, uh, just a holy discontent inside of us, saying that there's there's got to be something more. That that I'm not I'm not sure this is exactly how church is to look, and I'll also tell you we don't have it exactly figured out today, nor will we ever. But the church is the body of Christ. We try our best to reflect Jesus to the world, right? And there came this day and this and this time when we realized this this just isn't it uh, on a lot of levels. That um, that a church that uh, gathers and expects the world to come to them is both ineffective in an increasingly post-church generation, right? So, so it's ineffective. And, and secondly, we just didn't see that modeled in Scripture at all. That is not the story that we read of, of, of the church, right? That, that it, that it huddles and people come to it, right? No, the church was, was, was a body of people that went out. And so the story that we read in Acts as, uh, as the church begins and the, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in the lives of people, whole households would come to know Jesus. And, and in the first century, a whole household, an extended family, um, worked a common business. And so, so their business became a launching point for mission in their community. As that family came to believe in Jesus, as he changed their lives, and as they gained new focus, their business place became a launching place for mission in their communities. And, and we realized, man, I'm just not sure this gather on Sundays and one outreach event a year is, is what we see modeled. And, and we were experiencing it not being effective. And so we went, on a whole new journey before we had any idea it had anything to do with church planting. We want, we went on this whole journey of, of exploring. So, so what does church look like today? What, what does a, a community of believers look like that's carrying out not just uh, the functions of the church, but the mission, which really is defines church. And um, so Mike Breen, uh, if, if you're curious about some of the background, Mike Breen uh, leads a, a, it's called 3DM Ministries, and it's a worldwide thing. Um, it, and and he, he, um, he has been one of the pioneers of a model of, of church, or more specifically small groups, that revolves around missional communities. 
and we're going to call them branches here, uh, but, but our branches um, serve some really important pur- purposes. We, we believe they can be growth engines in churches. We believe they can be a place to gather our people together. We believe they can be bodies of, of, of uh, believers worshiping God. There's uh, a lot of things that can happen there. So three months ago, we, we launched with this vision that, that we want to we wanna, you know, double the size of our team, and, and we've done that at least, and, and, and we want to launch some communities here in the Tri-Cities that, that have a common place of worship, but that are functioning here in our communities, that are, that are gathering people in effective ways, that are being the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, that are serving and loving and, and helping and inviting, right? We, we, we want to create that here in this community. So our, our branches have a number of purposes. Uh, they gather and they build community amongst our body, right? We, we need connections. We need to be encouraged in our journey. We need a place for our teenagers to Together and you know find deeper relationships. The same for each of us. We need places to build those relationships. Uh, we need a place to grow in our faith, right? We need a place to to deepen spiritually. Sunday is a great place for that, but not the only place. Uh, it doesn't it go so much deeper when we have opportunity for conversation, to live life together, to pray for each other, and to know each other in deeper ways. And then um, and then our, our branches are a place of serving and engaging in our community, right? This, this is a place that. that we want these to be launching places for, for um, service and, and love and engagement in our community. And so I describe those in, or Mike Breen uh, describes those as up, in, and out. So the up is our focus on God, right? It, our, our in is our focus on each other and, and blessing and encouraging, building up each other. And the out is the focus then on the people around us. Really simple concept, right? Here's the thing. Uh, any given person, any given small group, any given church is going to be most naturally inclined to one of the three. Uh, do a little bit of a second, and generally almost none of the third, unless we're quite cognitive, you know, really thinking about uh, how can we effectively engage all three of these levels. That, that's just a story of church as, as we look and research and consider um, that, that you can be really good at one. You're just geared for one, uh, another a little bit, and the third hardly at all. So a lot of small groups that, that I've been a part of, maybe you've been a part of similar ones, um, you come together and um, you study the Bible. You, you, you read a Bible passage, and then you ask, so what would you think of it? And sometimes there's a ton of conversation, and sometimes there's awkward silence, right? Um, uh, but we've been a part of those. So that's a group that's designed for up primarily. Most naturally, it is focused on Bible study. It's focused on knowing God more and that sort of thing. There's a little bit of in that happens as we have conversations around the room, you know, before and after our Bible study time. Um, but there's very little out in a group like that. So that's just, that's just one example of how often we're most geared for one, a little bit of a second, and then most specifically a third. Um, so as we launch these, uh, we, we want to try to create rhythms that engage all three of these, right? We, we, we want different events to be focused on one or another, uh, but over the course of a month, we want to consider how can we, um, how, how can we engage all three of these. And so uh, just a couple principles that we want to make sure we hit on. Uh, we want groups to be lightweight and low maintenance, right? We, we, want to, we don't want to burden the host, and we don't want to burden a person with, you know, six hours of preparation so they can give a sermon, you know, to their group. That's not what it's about. We want these to be lightweight and low maintenance. We'll talk about recycling time. We were all going to eat a meal that night. 
let, let's eat that meal together and then let's uh, have some conversation around the table, right? So, so recycling of time is an important concept as we consider uh, these groups. Um, so a few primary things we want to hit then. We want to eat together. We want to say that is an effective group. If you can just gather together and have a meal and conversation, you've done a great thing. Right? It, it doesn't need to be more than that every time. Um, so uh, have a meal together once a month. Uh, have some sort of invite-oriented event, an event that engages some people in your life that, that you want to share Jesus with. So it, it, it could be any number of events, an outing or whatever, but some place that we can rub shoulders with and show love to people that don't know Jesus. I want to have uh, one week where we focus on the up. On God, and, and we're going to talk about dwelling in the Word. It's a it's a really cool uh, activity, a um, little bit different than any Bible study you've probably been a part of, unless unless we've already done it together. Um, but a great way just to engage in in, in personal conversation, especially one on one. And then we we want a time of service each month, like like we want to find a way to bless some people and serve some people. So what we're going to do as we move, if we move forward, I realize this is a really long vision casting session, but this is important stuff because this is we, we talk about making things new. This is the, the new next season. We, we felt like in the first three months, we were able to pull together uh, more people and, uh, and, and pull together our Sunday rhythms, but, but understand that this, how, how we gather strategically, how we, uh, maybe I, should, I could say scatter during the week, right? Uh, this is important to us. This is, this is where it began. We're like, church can be more than one hour a week, right? Uh, and, and we'll talk about that more in the lesson. So in January, we're going to, we're going to be one big group. And, uh, hopefully everyone participates and we have 60 people and it'll just be, crazy and challenging, right? But um, we're going to be one big group where we experience each of those rhythms for one month. And at the end of January, then we'll be able to talk a little bit more strategically about what are what are some of the, the branches that form then? What are the first three branches that form out of, out of what we're doing? But we want to experience it before we send people off to do it, right? We, we want to model it and experience it together. So January 7th is the first. We're just going to have a meal together. That's going to be at our house. We hope you'll join us. It'll be potluck style. Um, uh, talk with Sarah about bringing things. We'll get a sign-up list, and and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you're welcome to invite people, okay? By the way, just in general, this is a season of invite. This is a season in which we expect to begin to see just some beautiful growth and some beautiful things happening as as God begins to leverage the groundwork that that, that we've all, that you all have put into this journey. So January 7th, we have a meal. On the 14th, we're going to have a game night. That's an invite-oriented thing. On the 21st, we'll be dwelling in the Word. And on January 28th, we'll uh, do a service project with Second Harvest. Okay, so so um, those are those are Thursday night events. Um, your group may or may not meet on a Thursday night. We we picked a night that we hoped uh, people would be able to join us on. It's time to transition. We're going to be in Luke chapter six today, and uh, and as we transition, I, I wanna I just want to pray over God's word as as we engage it. Father, thank you for this day and this time. Thank you for uh, this opportunity to look into your word. And Father, I pray that you will speak powerfully today, and that you'll prepare my and all of our hearts to hear what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter six, verse seventeen. He went down with them, and he stood on a level place. Uh, Jesus has just called his 12 apostles, his 12 closest followers, and um, uh, his, his ministry has, be, has begun. He'd been baptized, and he's healing, and he's teaching, and, and his ministry has begun. And so he calls them all together. He went down with them, and he stood on a level place. 
And a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Okay, so here's Jesus uh, with a huge crowd of people. And there's quite a, a number of different people. There's his followers, his disciples. Um, there's, uh, there's people from all over different regions. There's people with sicknesses, people plagued by evil spirits, right? And, and they're all just trying to get near to Jesus because um, power is coming from him, right? His, 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 his ministry has begun. Powerful things are happening um, around Jesus and through Jesus. Incredible things are happening. So great numbers of people are gathered to follow him. And, and on this particular day, Jesus teaches. And I'm going to warn you as we engage this, this was a challenging passage for me. Three weeks ago when I, when I started really looking into this and considering how to teach out of this passage, I was really challenged by it. You might know the Beatitudes from the book of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 8 in Matthew, is, is a, um, a really common place that we go. And in the Beatitudes, where he says, blessed are, which is what we're about to read, blessed are the poor in spirit, um, in, in the book of Matthew, it's eight blessings, okay? And, uh, and it's a beautiful thing, right? It, we just walk away feeling so happy and fuzzy and good. It's interesting the way Luke tells this. He tells it, uh, he tells it with four blessings and then four woes. He says, woe to you who are rich. And it's like, hold on, what does God have against money or woe to you that are well fed. Whoa, we can't, you know, God doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to eat. And, and so I gauged this, this passage a few weeks ago as I was looking forward, thinking this is, this is just a, t- a challenging, a challenging passage, right? I like the, I like the Matthew Jesus in this case, right? Wouldn't it be convenient if I could just jump over there and pretend like it doesn't? And, and, uh, and just in the last few days, in prayer and in study, uh, God has has just revealed some beautiful things about Jesus' words here. Jesus' words are always beautiful, and and sometimes it takes time to to really get in and, and to hear them. So so in verse twenty of Luke chapter six, it says, uh, looking at his disciples, he said, "Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied." Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. So he begins here, uh, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And, and I can imagine as he's standing in this crowd, and people have gathered from every, everywhere, and there's people with, with evil spirits in them, and, and sick people, a leprous guy that lives in a little shack outside the, the city because he's not allowed inside because of his leprosy. And I can, I can just imagine him speaking to this leprous man saying, bless you when, when you're poor. Blessed are the poor because uh, yours is the, is the kingdom of heaven, right? And he said, blessed are you when you hungry, when, when, when you hunger, because you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, you will laugh. Blessed when you're excluded because the Son of Man has come, who is totally inclusive, by the way. And, and we'll get there a little bit more in a minute. It's interesting the way Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Um, uh, same thing, a, a really simple definition, the place where God reigns. Okay, And um, so as he speaks of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he speaks of both a present and a future reality. 
He says here, uh, the, yours is the kingdom of God. And then later he'll say, rejoice on that day for, for your reward will be great in heaven. Right, so he speaks of this present and this future reality. Um, I love that last song that we sang. Good theology in that song, as it talks about thanks, uh, thank you that we're living in your kingdom. It sings that that song we sang was was present tense. Thank you that we are living in your kingdom. That's the way Jesus speaks about the kingdom. It has come. And it is coming. What, what we know now is a glimpse of the full realization that will come. But today we are living in the kingdom. And, and so then that song's conclusion is nothing is holding me back. Right? And I love that. It, it's dangerous as followers of Jesus, as Christians, when we come to a place in life where, um, where we're just waiting on heaven. Right? So I, I'm just here in this life waiting for what is someday. That's not where we're called to live. Like, like, like Jesus teaches the, the reality and the blessing now to be fully realized. Like the song talks about, we are living in the kingdom. Um, and, and, and therefore nothing's holding me back here and now. That's the message that Jesus brings as he says, you are blessed even when your circumstances are difficult right now in life. And he continues in verse 24, the woes. He says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well-fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. And so we have this really challenging piece. After all this blessing, I can understand God makes good of bad circumstances. That's comforting. I like that. And then he says, woe to you who are rich, or woe to you who laugh. And you start to ask yourself, why would you not want us to be happy? But no, Paul says rejoice. He says, I'll say it again, rejoice. He has to repeat himself because it's such an important principle for followers of Jesus that we're rejoicing, right? And so where is the disconnect and how does it all fit together? Let's start with the word woe. You know, sometimes we would just think of condemnation. Woe to you, you know, like you're terrible if you are well fed, but that's not what he's saying. Uh, it's, it's an expression of pity, right? Uh, I, I pity you who are rich. I pity you who laugh now. Okay, now let's go a little bit deeper because still that doesn't satisfy the passage. Um, so, so look at what he's done here. Um, I think we have a slide that kind of compares the two. So he begins with um, uh, the poor, right? So you're blessed when you're poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. Um, and then he parallels it with a woe. Uh, I, I pity those of you that are rich. He says, those of you that are poor are blessed. Yours is the kingdom of God. Uh, those of you that um, are rich, I, I pity you. And there's a reason for it. I think the reason is this. Jesus recognizes that when we are poor, our pursuit often becomes becoming rich. Right? The, the natural response to being poor is, I want more money. Right? And he realizes that, that hunger... Uh, our natural inclination then is to be well fed, to find a meal. And, and those that weep, we would, we, we would want to laugh, right? We'd want to find something to laugh about and, 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 and take away our sorrow. And those that are hated or insulted, uh, well, we would seek approval, right? If, if we're excluded, we would, we would seek approval. So, so, so Jesus is recognizing as, and, and Luke, as he tells this, uh, this teaching of Jesus, he's recognizing this parallel between our human instincts and our temporary human responses to the challenges that we all face in life, 
right? And, and so he, Jesus says, man, I pity you if when you are poor, your pursuit is to become rich. I pity you because there's something better, and that better is the kingdom of God. Satisfaction won't come simply by filling your stomach. He says there's a deeper satisfaction in knowing me, in living in this kingdom that has come. He says weeping, uh, we, we, don't, we don't like weeping, uh, but he says laughter is to come. And he's speaking of this present and future tense. If laughter in this moment is all you pursue, I pity you because I want you to know there's a greater joy that is coming, that is long term. And when you're excluded uh, and, and want to seek approval from people, um, uh, you compromise. Let's just dwell on that for just one moment, because I mean, how many of us have experienced uh, insult and and hurt in our life? How many of us have been excluded or or hated by someone, and it immediately changes the way we act and live? Right? Uh, we will we will do just about anything for that person to like us or to treat us better. Uh, we compromise our values. We, we do things that we shouldn't do. Um, we, uh, I mean, so many things change when, when our back is against the wall and someone is, is angry with us. And he says, rather than changing yourself to, to gain the approval of this per- person for the moment, he says there's something much better, the Son of Man, uh, whose approval uh, has already been given. Right? Uh, well, you were still sinners. Christ died for us. Right? Approval ultimately is found in Jesus and our identity and approval is found in Him. And so we begin to ask ourselves as we look at, so, so there's blessing in being poor because I have the kingdom. Um, it's, it's okay that I'm insulted in this life. And rather than seeking the temporary fix to a solution to find my identity and my sense of belonging instead in the Son of Man in Jesus. And so we begin to ask ourselves, so where will we place our hope? Right? Where, where, where am I going to place my hope in this life? Is it in the temporary or is it in something that lasts beyond? Jesus says there's something better than those temporary fixes. And, and we begin to ask, what will you pursue in life, right? Temporary fixes to situations or, or to pursue uh, the kingdom, to pursue Jesus, to find our, our place in him. See, and I think this becomes really, really real as we realize that every one of us is probably going to face every one of these this week, right? Uh, We're waiting on a paycheck uh, that's going to come in at the end of the week or or, or whenever it's coming in, right? And and the the paycheck isn't wrong. To receive the paycheck is, is not the problem. But if I take in this moment and place my hope on the paycheck to come on Friday, I've placed my hope on something temporary, and Jesus says, I pity you, man. If that's all you got going for you is that paycheck coming on Friday, then I pity you. That's that's too bad because there's something so much better living in the kingdom. And every one of us is going to get hungry this week. And uh, many of your inclinations will, will be just like mine. You're going to grab a bag of chips, right? And uh, and and you're going to eat more chips than you should. That's, that's what we're all going to do this week. And it's probably not wrong, right? That's, that's not wrong. And yet, that's such a temporary fix. And Jesus says, uh, in your hunger, don't think that that bag of chips is going to fix it. It might actually make it worse, right? Don't think it's going to fix it, uh, but instead realize satisfaction is found outside of a bag of chips and inside the kingdom of God, 
right? That, that there's another source of satisfaction in life. And when we're sorry, sorry, sad this week, we're, we're going to experience sorrow this week. We could watch a funny movie, and that's fine. Go ahead and watch that funny movie. Um, but uh, as soon as that movie's over, I, I'm, I'm probably going to still be dealing with the circumstances that have me feeling sorrowful. So I will seek my joy in Jesus. This week is, is what he invites us to. And, and when we're insulted and we go back to work and that person that doesn't like you and always mistreats you, uh, when you're confronted by them, um, you don't have to change your actions. You don't have to defend yourself. We don't have to fight those situations. But instead, remember that Jesus approves. And because of Jesus, uh, God loves deeply and, and relationship is restored with him. Jesus, in, in this passage, speaks a beautiful message of hope. He says, man, I pity you if you put your hope in temporary fixes in this life because I've got something much better for you. And I love that message. I think that is beautiful, and I love what Jesus does there. One of the songs, would you guys go ahead and come up? And one of the songs that we, uh, that we did this morning was Holy Spirit. And, um, and I thought it spoke really beautifully to, um, to, this, um, to this idea that... Um, that the temporary fixes don't work, but instead we need something deeper uh, found in Jesus. If you guys would do that, the, those first verses in that chorus for us, um, we're, we're going to reflect on it before we close out today. talking about here in this passage he's talking in that song just just now we sang about a living hope we, we sang about god's presence in our life we sang about the sweetest of love that we found in jesus we sang about freedom found in jesus we, we sang about the holy spirit 
that dwells in us. So I just want to invite you today as we close out to realize that that there will be challenges in the week ahead. And and there's a lot of temporary fixes we could seek. uh, But the promise found in Jesus is far greater than the temporary fixes we could have. That we could know freedom. That we could know love. That the Holy Spirit could, could live in us. Let's pray for that. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this time and this opportunity uh, just to to look into your word and to see the beautiful hope that that Jesus promised. Father, we believe in that and we want to place our hope in him above everything else. And Father, I pray that this week, uh, as we face all sorts of circumstances, uh, Father, that we realize our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, want you to know, I uh, want to remind you, coming up January 7th, we're going to have a meal. On the 9th, we're going to do more worship over at the Bush House. We'd love for you to participate in that. Um, we have some Christmas gifts. Uh, they're late, but they're here. Uh, everyone grab one for each in your family if you want. You can use it for water or coffee, whatever you want. Uh, but grab one of those. Thanks for being here. Have a blessed week.